G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations, Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. One of the key topics we need to understand is what happens to people when they die. Do they just go to sleep or do they have a conscious existence? In today's program, we're going to see there is a very clear scriptural teaching on this most important matter found in 2 Corinthians. Our series is entitled... Heartfelt and Inspired, Understanding 2 Corinthians, a verse-by-verse commentary. And it is really important, friends, to become future-ready. Most people are not future-ready. In fact, many people, and I don't mean to sound terrible here, are future-destroying. There are certain things you do in life that helps ensure your own future and that of your family. And there are certain things we do that can undermine our futures as well. In short, When we live for God, this is the single best investment we can ever make in a prosperous, joyful future. And to go against the ways of God and his holy principles and his great lordship and his unspeakable, priceless gift of the gospel of Christ, this can destroy any future, no matter how successful that person may be in the things of the world. As we discover in 2 Corinthians And our passage will be chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. This lesson is about being absent from the body, but present with the Lord. I know people don't like to think about death or anything about the end-of-life issues or beyond the end-of-life issues. Many don't, but many do too. And frankly, when we're spending more time planning our three-week European holiday than we are about where we're going to spend eternity, that tells me of somebody whose priorities are not right. We're not obsessive about the future beyond the grave, but it's something we need to consider. And the Bible gives us sufficient teaching, not exhaustive, but sufficient. There is life after death. And depending on how you spent this life will determine where you spend the life to come. One of the amazing things that is said by the Apostle Paul in this passage, 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6 to 11, he says, Therefore we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In summary, we learn that while we're in this physical body, we are not personally present with God. One of the great verses of the whole New Testament is 2 Corinthians 5, 7, which is almost mentioned like a parenthesis, but it's not. We walk by faith, 
not by sight. If anything can distinguish the truly spiritual or spirit-filled person from the carnal, it's this principle, that they live their life by faith in God and in his word, whereas the carnal don't pay attention to God and his word or are totally ignorant of God and his word. So what we walk by faith and not by sight, then we are living the true born-again, spirit-filled existence. And we will be rewarded, even in this life, for this kind of walk. But we also learn that when we are not in this body, meaning we've had physical death, we don't actually cease to exist. Our soul and spirit immediately go to the presence of the Lord. And this is something we need to drive home to everyone. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Because of this reality, Paul says in verse 9 of this passage, we work hard for God because ultimately we stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Don't confuse this with the great white throne judgment of Revelation chapter 20. This is God's judgment of the saints, not unto condemnation, but for rewards for what you have done in the body. There will be all kinds of things happening, and we want to be blameless and without shame when we stand before Jesus. Therefore, finally, in verse 11, it says, considering the awesome presence of God, therefore, we want to live for him with everything that we have, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Let's take a look now at the passage itself, verse by verse starting with the reading of the entire segment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether we be present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. We persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 6 to 11. Our segment again is called, Absent from the Body, Present with the Lord. So it says in verse 6 here, we are home in the body. An interesting principle is derived here. As long as we are home in the physical body we were born in, we are absent from the Lord in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean we have no contact with God. God promised to be with us to the end of the age. That is, if we promise to be with him, that we accepted him as Savior and Lord, of course, he'll be with us. But in addition, we remain in what Paul terms our earthly tabernacle or our earthly tent because we haven't yet received our heavenly tabernacle or tent. That's why he uses that phrase. So as long as we are in our current body, we are not living in the presence of God. But again, let me say it doesn't preclude us being near to God and God being near to us. Therefore, we go to that great classic verse of the New Testament, verse 7 of 2 Corinthians 5. For we walk by faith, not by sight. As I said, this almost is parenthetical, which means it seems to be a parenthesis talking about absent from the body, present of the Lord, but we walk by faith, 
not by sight. This is, of course, not a parenthesis at all. What this verse says, walk by faith, not by sight, describes what should be our entire walk with God. It is faith that motivates us to do what our senses cannot. The famous ancient theologian Augustine once said, we believe in what we do not see, and we will see what we believe. Now, the alternative to walking by faith is to walk in the flesh. And make no mistake about it, friends, to walk in the flesh is a dead end. So how do we walk by faith? and put the things of circumstance, sight, and the world behind us. Well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes from the Word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. We need a regular intake of God's Word, because God's Word is faith-building. We also build faith through our prayer life, particularly a Spirit-filled prayer life. In Jude, verse 20, it says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. The third thing we can do is, of course, fellowship with people of faith, because it's contagious. You will be like the company you keep. So if you're with unbelieving or with doubtful ones or scornful ones or negative ones or natural ones, that's not going to be faith building. You do need input from people of faith. And then I guess there's a fourth thing. Exercise your faith and it will grow. Just like when a muscle is exercised, it will grow too. So the word, spirit-filled prayer, being with people of faith, and then exercising your faith, knowing that faith rightly directed to Christ and his word will never, ever let you down. So we walk by faith, not by sight. And now we get to verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You see, it is the great desire of all believers to be present with God. After all, when you're with God, you don't have problems anymore. You've got your solution, all in one entity, namely Almighty God. But if we are not in the presence of God, we're still on this fallen world and with all the complications. Knowing, of course, that God is with us and he promised never to leave us or forsake us. But believers, of course, want to be with the Lord. And the only way that is currently possible to be with the Lord is to be absent from the body. That means physically dead. Of course, when people are physically dead, we assume they are completely dead, but that's wrong. Nobody, sinner or saint, is completely dead once they stop breathing and their heart stops pumping. Everybody has a conscious existence after death. Physical death, as James chapter 2, verse 26 describes, James 2, 26, the spirit without the body is dead. Or the, sorry, the body without the spirit is dead. That's more like it. When the spirit leaves the body, that brings physical death, which enters us into the intermediate state between the physical death and physical resurrection, which applies to everybody not just to believers. So if you want to be present with the Lord, then at your appointed time, you will be absent from the body, present with him. Eventually, our earthly body, which was either buried, tossed into the sea, or cremated, will be resurrected, glorified, and reunited with our soul and spirit. Paul says we are confident and willing to be with the Lord, even if it means separation from the body. It is not a death wish, but as it says in Hebrews 9, I think it's verse uh, 27, that it's appointed unto man once to die. It's an appointment time. But death, even though it's an enemy, becomes the handmaiden of bringing us into the glorious presence of God. In verse 9, 
it tells us that we labor, that we, whether we are present or absent, we may be accepted of him. We labor hard, in fact, for God, not as prisoners, but as people who have found the grace of God and want to extend his kingdom. So we continue to work for God, even while we are absent from his glorious presence, but present on the Lord, which, of course, is all of us here now, or if we are present with him and absent from earth, we labor to help extend the kingdom and to harvest as many souls as possible. So now, 2 Corinthians 5.10, listen to this. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Okay, here we have a little bit of explanation. One of the important but little-known truths of the Bible, of Christian faith, is that the day will come that we will all stand as believers before the judgment seat of Christ. What we have done in the body will be judged. Whether it's good or bad, we will either receive reward or otherwise. Now, this is the consensus, that this is a believer's judgment for how we have served God in this body, this tabernacle, this life. One commentator said that the judgment seat of Christ is God's thank you for what we've done for him while in this body. Of course, not everyone's going to get thanks because not everybody has really served God as they should. Please bear in mind, salvation in Christ is a free gift. You don't earn it, you receive it by repentance and faith. Nothing you can do, even if you labored a zillion years, could cause you to earn this unspeakable, wonderful gift. So we believe in that, that we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. So don't confuse the judgment seat of Christ with the great white throat judgment, which occurs after the millennium, where the unredeemed dead will be judged, according to Revelation chapter 20. Let me summarize this judgment seat of Christ for you. Basically, All Christians will be judged by Christ. It will happen when he comes for the church, which we call that the rapture. The judge will be Jesus Christ himself. And yes, it will be a time of sobriety, sobriety before the celebration. Because some people at the judgment seat of Christ will be ashamed when he comes. Just read 1 John 2, 28. They will face the possibility of loss of what they have done, because their works are not of silver or gold or precious stones or metal. Their works are of wood, hay, and stubble. They didn't really do anything for God, and hence, that's why cheap materials represent their works. And when the fire comes, that which is non-flammable will remain, that which is costly will remain, but that which is cheap will be consumed. So some will be ashamed, some will face loss, and some will see their works burned in the fire as per 1 Corinthians 3, 13 to 15. Everything that is done will be manifest or revealed, including our actions, our attitudes, our words, and our character. All of this will be laid bare and under the spotlight before God. At the same time, God will remember our good deeds, according to Hebrews 6, verse 10. Hebrews 6, 10, and our bad deeds condemned if we have bad deeds. Colossians 3, 25. Yes, I think that's a bit sobering. However, it talks about the terror of God. Now, God is no terrorist. So in an age of terror and terrorism, we can see that this word terror rightfully has a bad name. And it is therefore easy to misunderstand when we find it in scriptures. To my mind, this is the only time this word is actually used as per to God. 
So to stand before Christ at his throne could, in theory at least, be greatly intimidating. But really, the best way to describe this so-called terror of the Lord is the fear of the Lord, the awesome reverential, respectful, worshipful, submissive attitude we're to have to the Almighty. We will have to answer to God one day for how we lived our lives. Jesus warns us in Matthew 12 that every idle word a man speaks, careless word, vulgar word, horrible word, vilifying, critical, defaming word, we will have to answer for in the day of judgment. That's why repentance is your way out. If we repent now, then forgiveness comes, And these sins, verbal, mental, or by hand indeed, will be cast into the sea of forgetfulness. So that's why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Let's clean house. Let's do stock take here. And let's have that spring house cleaning so that we will have the shortest audience possible with the Lord. Let's understand accountability before God, meaning we will account to him in the day of judgment, can help persuade people. We will be present with God and also in our own consciences. So the thing is this, there's nothing like the fear of the Lord to keep people on the well-lit path of the straight and narrow, avoiding potholes, ditches, rabbit trails, and anything else that distracts or destroys. You know, I'm not one as a preacher, and I've been preaching most of my life, to be hellfire and brimstone. I don't think I've ever preached like that. But when you come to passages such as this, about the judgment seat of Christ, I think it will cause people to pause, consider the lives they lead, and where necessary, repent, and have a fresh start before God. Because that repentance and fresh start is nothing short of revival. And we could all use that. Now, our lesson is called Absent from the Body, Present with the Lord. Our lesson for life in this present evil world Never lose sight that one day we will be present with God. So prepare yourself for this reality. And remember, friends, to visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations Education. And thank you for liking our page. And also, you can go to our homepage to sign up for the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter with articles from the Scripture, current events in the light of God's Word, and victorious Christian living. Let's pray. Father, help us to see that one day we'll be present with you and that we don't want to be ashamed in that day. Therefore, we commit ourselves to you and your kingdom purposes so that we will be greatly blessed and rewarded, that we will take the one talent and turn it into five talents, ten talents, and therefore rule over five or ten cities, respectively. We thank you for your power, your glory, your love, your gospel, and your kingdom. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley, 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 